Welcome to the Principal's Office Podcast, where we believe that the principal's job is the most interrupted job on the planet, and creating a clear and cohesive plan is the best way to improve your school. I'm your host, Dr. Tom Miller. I'm the founder of Leaders Building Leaders, and it's my goal each week to introduce you to new strategies and initiatives that are improving schools across the country. You're going to learn leadership principles that are going to help you accelerate your growth, build your teams, and execute on those goals so you can exceed those expectations of the communities that you aim to serve. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can go to our website at lbleaders.com. But for right now, enjoy this episode. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everyone. It's so great to be with some, some live folks. I've been on vacation for a while, and, and uh, that was um, something I'll talk about during the session today. Uh, my name's Tom Miller, and I woke up this morning, and I was like, I need to, uh, I need to, I need to share. So um, my goal is always to share what I'm learning, uh, so hopefully to accelerate the leadership of others. And uh, that's what our uh, company does, and, and, and we work with the principals and executive directors of charter schools and assistant principals, teacher leaders, students, you know, parents, whoever, whoever wants to improve their life, that's, that's who we're for. So uh, you're in the right place. And, and what I'm going to share today is uh, what I learned uh, while uh, I was in France, I was reading, I was told by my mentor not to bring any books. You know, sometimes when you go on vacation and you're like, you, you're like, I'm going to get this done and this done, and then you do nothing. And I was like, yeah, you're right. I should not bring anything. He said, you got to, He's like, you got to get stuff out. He said, you don't, you don't need to bring new stuff in. So I've, I'm almost finished my book. It'll be out uh, next week. You know, the ebook part of it's going to be filled with grammatical errors and all sorts of things. And it's okay. We're just going to start there. I just want to get it done. So that's what I got out. And then this is what I read. I read Atomic Habits uh, by uh, James Clear. <clears throat> and um, I've had the book sitting on my shelf for a while. I've had the PDF copy for a while. So if you if you said yes to this you know, session, you uh, should have got a copy of the PDF. It's in your email, um, and it's yours. And, and I really love the book and because uh, I'm all about transformation. I think it's just huge uh, in our world especially, right? That's our job is to transform ourselves so we can transform all the uh, little leaders around us, right? And the adults, the adults around us, you know, all depending what our role is. So, um, so let me just start with this. Let me start with this here and, and, you know, feel free to drop any questions or unmute yourself, you know, for a second. Um, this is, I, I hope for this to be a, you know, discussion. Um, and I tend to ramble sometimes. Monette will tell you that she'll, she'll say Tom just likes to hear himself talk. So, uh, but uh, this, this first quote here, James said, he said, changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. Changes that seem small and unimportant at first will compound into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them, right, for years. Willing to stick, that's the key, willing to stick. <laughs> Consistency compounds. And I thought about it, you know, some of you may or may not know if you've read or know anything about me, I'm a recovering addict and I was a, I was a gambling addict for, for 10 years and I lost millions of dollars, right, on, you know, teacher salary and starting teacher salary back then was $25,000, right? So you said, how could you lose millions? Well, I didn't, you know, lose every time I won some money back, right? But over time, I, I lost a lot. 
And so a lot of what I learned in this book, like I thought about, oh, that process where I became a gambler from a not gambler, right? It was an identity change. And anything that we want in life, we have to, we have to start there, right? We have to start with who we want to become. But, it, but this point about you're willing to stick with it over time, he says, improving by 1% isn't particularly notable, sometimes not noticeable at all. But over time, that compounding effect, right? So if you're in any of our leadership programs, you've probably heard me say, hey, look, everybody, just shoot for a goal to get 1% better every week. Even if you take a two-week vacation, you're going to be 50% better at that skill by the end of the year. And just imagine if we were all 50% better at something we were trying to, by the end, we'd, we'd feel huge about ourselves. The problem is the willingness to stick, right? To not seeing the instant results causes a different problem. I'll get into that later, right? So a single decision, right? It's easy to dismiss. A single decision is easy to dismiss. But when we repeat 1% errors day after day by replicating poor decisions, duplicating tiny mistakes and rationalizing little excuses, our small choices compound into toxic results, eventually leading into bigger problems. Think about the classrooms that you lead or oversee, right? 1% errors, little things combined on top of each other. And all of a sudden, we go from, mm, that's a problem to, oh, that's toxic, right? And sometimes it, it seems insurmountable. But big problems didn't happen overnight. <laughs> they take time, right? So it's that 1%. So just as much as you can get 1% better every week, you can also get 1% worse every week if you're not paying attention to what matter, right? So he says, it does not matter how successful or unsuccessful you are right now. But what matters is that your habits are putting you on a trajectory towards success. So the whole basis of this book is to be more concerned with your current trajectory rather than your current results. You can't be attached to the results. Your results are not your truth. They might be the current facts. They might be your current reality, but they're not your truth. But I love that, right? I mean, think about it. If you have the mindset to do it, right? And that's what the, that's what the important part is. Are you, is your current trajectory moving uphill? Because you can't climb uphill with downhill habits, right? And consistency compounds. I mean, just, you know, think of a, like an ice cube, right? If you put an ice cube and, you know, surround it, you know, an environment that's 33, 32, you know, degrees or less Fahrenheit, it's going to stay an ice cube. But if you slowly change the temperature to 33, that's when action happens right? Action happens with one, you know, degree. Same thing with boiling water, right? There's that whole book. It was called 212 degrees. That's what it was all about. Just turning up one degree, one difference, right? So forget about your goals. And we're going to focus on our systems. Right? We're going to talk a lot about systems during this session today. So what I, you know, began to realize as I was reflecting on the book was that 
my, my, my overall results had little to do with the goals that I set for myself. And they had everything to do with the systems that I was following in order to get the actual results. And this, this quote is so you know, powerful in the book. He says, you will never rise to the level of your goals. You will always fall to the level of your systems. So it doesn't matter what you're trying to improve or who you're trying to improve or whatever it may be. It has nothing to do with the goals that you set for your school, for yourself, for your team, for your life. It has everything to do with the systems that you follow, that you put in place and follow with consistency over time. That's going to get those results. So the purpose of setting the goal is maybe to win a game, but the purpose of building a system is to continue to play the game, right? It's true long-term thinking. John Maxwell, my mentor, Monette and I are very you know, fortunate to learn, and maybe you've read some John you know, Maxwell books. He says, he, says, you know, he says, I stopped setting goals a long time ago. I just only think about the growth. How far can I go? And I don't care how fast I get there. It's how far can I go? So long-term thinking is goalless thinking, right? Don't think about goals. Now you, you might be a goal you know, setter, and that's fine. I have goals too, right? So there's nothing against goals, but you can't, you know, there is no finish line. <laughs> there's no finish line to education. There, you know, there's no finish line to your growth. I mean, ultimately, there's a finish line for you as a physical body, but you keep going, right? Your legacy keeps going, and, okay? So it's all about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. Right? It's not about single accomplishments. It's about the cycle of endless refinement and continuous improvement. I think it was Michael Schmoker. Oh, I got it. I can't remember if it was him or Fulan. I get him you know, mixed up. But anyway, it was in his book, Focus. And he said that it's, if you're looking to improve your education plan, he said you know, the key is to finding the smallest tweak that's going to create the greatest change. I mean, too many times in, you know, schools or school districts or school systems, or even in our lives, we, we completely throw out everything. We just change everything. You don't have to change everything because here's a secret. Every plan will work if you just follow it, if you just implement it the right way with fidelity. Yeah. Over time, every diet works. Everyone. So again, you don't rise to the level of your goal, you fall to the level of your systems. So focus on the system, not on the goal, if you want better results. Now, every goal also needs a strategy, right? It needs a plan. A goal without a plan is a wish. But every strategy needs a system, right? How are we going to implement it? And your, and, and, and your habits, right, shape your overall identity. So outcomes, right, are about what you get, right? That's the end result. Process is about what you do, right? So, so your strategy, but your identity is who you become. So it's, it's also about what you believe about yourself. So going back to my decade as a gambling addict, I literally never believed that I would not gamble. 
I never believed that I could not, you know, gamble, right? I, I never saw myself as a non-gambler. Recently, my, my family and I were on the Dave Ramsey show and we did our debt-free screen. I never saw myself as being debt-free. I never believed, right? There was a time in my life where I didn't believe it could happen. So your identity is about what you believe. It's about who you aim to become, right? So one of the problems with goal setting and working to achieving a goal is that we forget that the purpose of achieving the goal is to become the person who can do it. We focus more on the goal than we do actually on the journey. And that's why most people don't achieve the goal because they don't have the discipline or the systems in place to be able to, to keep going, right? So outcomes is about what you get. The process is about what you do, but identity is about what you believe, right? Who you become. So focus on who we want to become. So whether it's as an entity, as a teacher, as a, as a leader, as a parent, right? You need to change your identity, your beliefs to be that person. And when your identity and your behavior align, right? So who I want to be, right? Who I aim to be and what I actually do when they align, you're no longer pursuing, you know, behavior changes. You're already, you're just acting like the person you already believe yourself to be. That's hard to do sometimes. But when you're when your identity, my beliefs in myself <clears throat> and what I do on a daily basis wait, uh, align, not an issue. Here's an example. Uh, you can't say no to the cookie when you're face to face to the cookie. You've already made the decision you're not gonna eat the cookie before you became in face to face with the cookie, right? When I was in France, every Every pastry, every morsel, every, it's just there. And I was like, well, I, I can't because I like my pants. I don't want to, right? I, I'm, I'm trying to become a healthier person. I am healthy, right? And I am, I am healthy. I am not a, right? So behavior has to align with what you believe. And there's lots of people that will tell you, you know, I, um, you know, I'm a great leader or I'm a great communicator or I, or I, you know, I am, you know, I mean, whatever that they aim, you know, to do, but then you watch them and you go, mm, but your walk, walk doesn't match your talk, talk, right? You may talk a good game, but I'm watching your actions and your actions don't align. And that's really important as a leader is that if you want to become somebody, you're, your actions have to align with what you aim to become. So you're actually making decisions for your future self, right? You're acting with your future self. Is this, is this making sense or am I all over the place? Probably all over the place. <laughs> Give me a yes in the chat box if it's making sense. So the real person, right? You know, the reason why you fail to stick with the habit to become is because your self-image gets in the way, right? Like, you're a gambler, Tom. You'll always be in debt, Tom. 
You have a stutter, Tom. You're not a good writer, Tom. No one's gonna read your book. No one wants to hear you talk. You don't have anything important. You've never done anything, Tom, right? You gotta be careful with that self-talk because that's the most powerful voice you'll hear all day. So the reason why you know uh, people uh, don't stick with creating new results is normally because their self-image. It just gets in the way. So you've, you've got to become the best version of you. And this requires continuously editing your beliefs, right? And expanding your identity. Like, you may hear me say, this is what my mentor said to me, hold your image. And when he's saying hold your image, like, he's holding an image way up here. Now, I may be seeing myself here and acting down here. And he's like, no, 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 no. Up there, you got to hold this image way up high. We've all known what success looks like and feels like, right? We've all had those moments where like, I crushed it today. I had a great day. That's the image you need to hold. You need to hold that image. You need to, you need to be able to keep that image in mind because every day you're working towards that. That's what I want to be, right? Your habits are how you embody your overall identity. If my identity is to become, you know, a world-class speaker, trainer, and coach, right, to become a multimillionaire, I mean, whatever those goals may be, that identity, a giver to the community, a wonderful father, a world traveler, then I have to actually do it, <laughs> right? So first you have to decide the person you want to be, and then you have to prove it to yourself with very small wins. So going back to the debt, to the debt free, right? Like I had $120,000 in student loan debt. And then one day it was 98,000. I was like, oh my gosh, that's significant. Like I don't ever remember it being less than six figures. Look at that. And then all of a sudden you just kind of follow the process and then it got down to 70, right? And, and, then, and, then, and then COVID came and, and we had all this other opportunity and it just, it went fast. Small wins built on top of each other. Same thing with gambling, same thing. I went from a person who was gambling every day to I wasn't gambling every 10 minutes and then I wasn't gambling every hour. And then it was a day, and then it was two days, and then it was 30 days, then it was 90 days. And now it's, I mean, it was February 12, 2006. So how many years ago is that? 16, that's 16 years ago. Seems like nothing now, right? So it might be easier for anybody trying to achieve anything to get clarity on like who you do not want to be. <laughs> and then you could just say out loud, like, well, what would a healthy person do, right? Or what would a debt-free person do? Or what would a, you know, what would a you know, courageous leader do? Or what would, you know, what would, um, what would uh, uh, you know, how would Bill Gates, you know, decide this? Or how would Warren Buffett invest? I mean, whatever it is, or you think of a, you know, of a, of a successful person. So what would they do? I want to do what they want to do, right? And then you allow your values and your principles to, to just drive that loop, right? Not your current results, because it's our conditions and circumstances that typically suck us back down, right? So don't worry about your current results. Use your values and your principles to drive 
that identity, that you know, image of who you want to be. So let's talk about the mind for a little bit, right? Not the brain, because the brain is what holds your mind, but the mind, you know, and, and the mind is built to keep you safe. That's why that voice comes in, right? And the reason why the mind remembers the past is to better predict what will work in the future, okay? So you have your conscious mind and your subconscious mind and, and your conscious mind is your thinking mind. It's your present mind, right? And your conscious mind can only pay attention to one problem at a time. Your brain is not built to be a desktop, everybody. It's not like this, you know, computer that has like 20, you know, things. it's not built that way. It doesn't work well. So it pawns off tasks to the unconscious mind. A great example is driving, right? We've all, I'm pretty sure everybody here drives, drives a car, was you know, driven a car, you've learned to drive a car. And you could pretty much do it without even thinking, right? In fact, there's probably sometimes you're driving down the road and you wonder, how the heck did I get here? I didn't even, I don't even remember doing it. But then you're also driving the road and boop, this amazing thought comes in your head. Or you remember something that you should have done. Give me a yes in the chat box if that's ever happened. Maybe even taking a shower, right? And some, oh, oh my gosh, I got to write that down. How do I write that down? The reason why it comes in your head is because finally your mind is at ease. Your conscious mind is free to do its job because your unconscious mind is driving the car. So when you have your habits dialed into the basics, your mind is free to focus on the new challenges. And look, everybody, I've been the principal, I'm about to take my sixth principal term in a little over two years. The day-to-day -day of a principal is insane with decisions and, and, and things coming your way. And it's such a challenge to think on the job as a principal. You don't have time to think on the job. So when you've got your habits dialed into your basics and you're driven by your principles, right, and your values, then the mind is free to focus on the challenges. You've already prepared for what you want, right? So when that problem arises at the school, hey, you, you can empower it, you can delegate it, you can do it, you can dump it. Say, well, what, you know, what are our policies say? What is it? I mean, you, you have instant quick answers to all these things because this is how you've already groomed your habits because you know what you're responsible for and what you're required to do. They're two different things. It's important to keep your mind free from all the stuff. Okay. It has to do its job. So your habits are shaped by the systems in your life. So the systems that you create at your school, the systems you create in your daily life, are going to drive the habits that you do. And as your habits form, your actions come under the direction of your automatic and subconscious mind. So you really need to pay attention to what you do, everybody. 
you got to raise your own awareness. I mean, uh, everybody cr cross your arms and do, make sure you put your, uh, put your, put your left arm over your right arm, left arm over right. Now this is comfortable for me. I don't know if it's comfortable for everybody, right? Everybody come up now. Flip it over. Put your put your right over your left. How does that feel? A little weird, right? I can't even do it. My arm won't even go because you know. I mean, we're so used. To my I just cross my arms in one way. There's so many. We tie our shoes. We put our pants. I mean, everything we do, it's already ingrained into how we move. We don't think about it, we just do it. But in order to truly be able to change, to create better results, you gotta start paying attention to what you do, okay? What you do. And, and so this, this you know, tool that he you know, talks about is called a habits scorecard, right? Habits scorecard. And so what, what he just says is, hey, look, whatever you're trying to change in your life, Pay attention to those things that you do in a row and just write them down, right? So, um, you know, I wake up, right? I wake up. So, you know, this morning I woke up. I wake up. I try to wake up at 4.30. I woke up. My alarm clock said 4 at, 4 at 59, but it's always 30 minutes ahead. So I didn't let the alarm go off and I ended up, you know, sleeping till like 5.30, but I got out of bed. And I went to the couch downstairs, I grabbed my phone and I just started scrolling. And then like eventually at 6.30, I got up and I worked out and then I ate breakfast, right? So I just started listing out all the things. I said, okay, now, now put a plus next to the habits that were good and then put a minus next to the habits that didn't serve your purpose, right? So not you know, letting my alarm go off got a negative. Getting out of bed got a positive. Working out got a positive going to the couch with my phone got a negative, right? So it's a matter of stacking your positive habits. Because then I have to take a look at okay, what do I need to do differently tomorrow? Well, the first thing is when my alarm goes off, I got to get out of bed. Or if I get out of bed, you know, I have to make a rule. If I get out of bed within five minutes of my alarm, go, if, my, if I wake up within five minutes of my alarm going off, I have to get out of bed. And when I get out of bed, I can't go get my phone and go to the couch. I have to go directly into the room where my workout is <laughs> because otherwise I'll, I'll sit there and scroll for a while. And then I'll do some things, you know, for my work. So I, I pretend that I'm productive during that time. But my whole point of waking up early is so I can get my workout. In. Right. So you have to start looking at the things that you're doing on a daily basis and start taking those negatives and getting them out of your routine. That's a system. So my system should be alarm, go, set the alarm for 4.30, get out of bed when the alarm goes off, grab my workout clothes, go to the workout room, work out, right? Whatever that, that's my system. That's what it needs to be. But the only reason I can, I can say that is because well, I have to be aware of what I'm doing during that time, right? So that's one, you know, strategy that you can start to do is write down the things that you're actually doing on a daily basis. We've got this tool, it's called the 15 minute miracle. And I'll make sure everybody gets it. Uh, but it's a great tool and it lets you 
write down in 15 minute time intervals what you did and what you what you accomplished during that time because it really helps you see like where am i getting distracted where am i at my best right where you know where sometimes the vortex happening i'm just very unproductive it's a great tool the second strategy that he uh, he says is pointing and calling out pointing and calling out so i'll do this all the time <laughs> I'll be working, whether it's in my office or out of school or whatever, and I'll say, I should not be doing this. I'm telling myself that I know that, Tom Miller, you are avoiding important work for someone else's work. Oh, but it's just so much easier if I just do it. Yeah, but it takes away from work from someone else, but it also takes you away out of your quadrant two work, right? It takes you out of your important work, right? So Julie, you, you know, develop teachers, right? Erica, you're a principal leader. Like, we know what we should be spending our time doing, developing other people, creating content, right? Strategizing. But it's easy for us to like, ah, let me just help you with that administrative task because it makes us feel productive because the other stuff is hard, <laughs> right? Or I don't want to do it. Like I've been fighting to write this book. Like I, I've, been, I've been hating it, but every day I got to do it, right? Every single day. So just saying out loud, you know, I shouldn't be doing this. And so one of the things that I do is at the end of the day, when I look at my things that I accomplished this, I said, what are some things I did today that I shouldn't do tomorrow? And then I write a name next to someone on my team, right? Or I either say, do it, delegate it, or I dump it. Those are the three. So, you know, do it is, hey, this is something I did that only I can and should do on our team. Delegate it. I can certainly give this to someone else, right? Anybody, anything that anybody can accomplish 80% as well as I can, I got to give it away. That's, that's a delegate. Or the dump it. Just stop doing it. It's not, it's, it's not taking you to your goals. And if you think it's important, but you're not sure, just don't do it for two weeks and then you'll find out whether it's important. Someone will tell you. Someone, will, oh my gosh, you haven't fed the dog in two weeks or the plants are dying, whatever it may be. Yeah, thanks Rebecca. Yep, systems pointing and calling out, that's right. Habit scorecard was the first one, habit scorecard. So that just means you're writing the things down that you do and then you're putting a plus and minus next to them. And the second one's point and calling. The third one is um, saying out loud, I will, and then whatever that is you're trying to do, right? So I will work out tomorrow, right? Or I will, I will have a crucial conversation tomorrow, right? Because, uh, or I, I will have that conversation in an hour. You're just saying it out loud, right? I will buy my plane ticket. I will clean my room. You say it out loud. <clears throat> And it's, it's affirmation, one, in your mind. But two, now you've got accountability around you. So about 100 days ago, when I, when I told, told the uh, North Carolina Charter School Association, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give away my ebook for free to everybody who comes to your conference. I didn't have a book, but I told them I would do it. So now I have consequences if I don't. But I said it out loud because there's no way I would have done it. Right. Thanks, Michael. Um, thanks for coming. So 
I will, right? So saying something out loud, making it public, right? Those are three key ones. So, so the process of, you know, behavior change, it always starts with that awareness. So getting aware of what you're doing first, that's the habit scorecard, and then do it, delegate or dump it, right? And then using some uh, strategies to hold yourself accountable. And so the best way to start this, right, is, is, is not just by, you know, coming to this workshop that you're here live, this webinar. Thank you if you're here live or even if you're listening, that's fine. That's good intentions. And you can think about it, go, oh my gosh, that was really good. Well, let me do some more research. Let me, you know, Google, right? You could do that too. But that's all motion. The only way that you're going to change is actually apply something, <laughs> is to do it, is action. And the universe loves action. Okay? So good intentions is the B here, but intentional action is what's actually, actually going to help you. And so he says, now you're going to write down an implementation sentence, okay? Implementation sentence. So, so this is how you're going to implement a habit. So this is what I wrote down for myself. Well, here's the formula. When X arises, I will perform Y at Z. Okay, so you just you know, fill it in. It's not algebra, but it's close, right? So when I wake up at 4.30... I will work out within 10 minutes of waking up so I can uh, become that healthy person, right? So when my alarm goes off, I will get out of bed. I will work out within 10 minutes of waking up so I can become, right? Whatever that identity that I'm trying, trying to get to. Because your environment really, really dictates that action, right? So I, like I thought about, it, I go, well, my, my environment's all, you know, uh, screwed up. I've got my, 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 you know, clock is off by 30 minutes. It's easy for me to turn off my alarm. I can just reach my arm across, you know, my kids aren't waking up because they're on, you know, summer break. So I can just kind of take my time. Like, you know, your environment drives everything. So what you've got to do is you have to really work towards changing your environment, changing the visual cues, because they're the greatest catalyst for your behavior change, right? And, and just remember, a small change in what you see daily can lead to a giant shift, right? So he just really talks about be the architect in the environment that you can thrive in. And I was like, okay, what does that look like? I'm like, what are some things that really distract me? My cell phone. Oh my gosh, these smartphones are awful. And I just, I'm just, I'm just addicted. I'm just going to say it out loud. Right. But I mean, every time that there's a pause, I feel like I have to reach for my phone. Right. I mean, when we were at the airport for six hours in Newark, right. Or when, you know, we were waiting in line, like every way I was like, oh, phone. I was like, I don't even have cell phone service. Why am I going to check my phone? It's a habit, right. It's a, it's a habit that I've got to, you know, break through. So there's these, there's these things like I have to find a way it's too, it's too accessible, right? I have to create a system to un, un I don't think that's a word, but my phone, right? So your environmental design allows you to take back control and become the architect of your life. And the phone is killing my daily uh, routine, right? Because remember I said, I wake up, I go to my phone, I go sit on the couch, lay on the couch for another 30 minutes. It's dumb, it's scrolling. It's not, it's not taking me to who I aim to be, okay? All right, so we've talked about the habits. I want to get to these, you know, steps. So you have these in place here. Oh, one more thing before that. Okay, so 
it's really easy to get bogged down trying to create the perfect system, right? And the perfect strategy or define like the perfect way to do it. Perfection is a trap, right? It is a, it is a, it is a myth. It's a trap and it's, it's bad. It's bad. It's bad for end uh, results. And I'm sorry, a lot of us are perfectionists out there. We try to be, and it's not a good way to live. It's impossible, right? So uh, think about this model, good, better, best, right? So like some of the times that I won't work out, cause like, oh, well, I don't have 30 minutes, right? But if I like did five minutes of jumping jacks, that would get my heart going, right? If I did five minutes of running in place, that would, or like if I did five minutes of push-ups, like all that would work. But I'm like, eh, I just, I just won't, I just won't work out. And if you don't think five minutes is a long time, go ahead and try to hold your breath for five minutes. It's a long time, right? So, so good is five minutes, you know, better might be 15 and best is 30. That's what I want. I want to work out for 30 minutes, right? So, you know, good, you know, good, you know, might be my, you know, five minutes of this and, you know, better might be a 15 minute walk. I mean, whatever it is, think about good, better, best. Don't allow yourself to have two days in a row or multiple days in a row without achieving those habits, okay? Because Again, action versus motion. Motion allows us to feel like we're making progress, right? You know, motion is additional research, right? It's, it's trying to find more things. It's, it's, you know, I mean, whatever it may be, we're very good at procrastination through motion. And what we're really doing is we're just slowing down our risk of failure, right? We're just, you know, slowing down our risk of criticism. you know, being in motion allows us to delay that because we always have this excuse as I'm working towards it. But when preparation becomes a form of the procrastination, like you got to change something, right? That's like you're getting ready to get ready. And, and what you just need to do is you just need to do it. You just need to act. You need to start writing, right? You need to, you need to get out and get that walk, right? You need to wake up early. Okay, you don't wake up at 4.30. Well, you know, you know, wake up at 5 or wake up at 5.30. It's so earlier than 7, right? Good, better, best. You just, you just got to go and you just got to do it. We have to do something that it's satisfying enough where it doesn't feel like a chore. And it makes me think about this. I was like, I mean, I scream at this at the top of my lungs. Like, hey, I believe that the only way to improve your school's overall achievement and performance is to improve the teachers, right? To improve their ability to connect with the students, to connect the content, to build relationships, to create a safe place that allows for feedback and improvement for everybody, adults and kids, right? That's what I personally believe. I think that's the only way. The principal personally doesn't teach every kid, but they can develop the adults in the building. Hopefully you believe that too, or maybe something close. But what I find is that it's where the principal spends the least amount of their time. If the most important way or the most sick, you know, the most critical way to improve your school is to improve the adults who connect with kids, then shouldn't we spend the majority of our time teaching the adults how to be better at their job? But we don't, right? It's because we have broken systems. It's our systems in the school are broke. It has nothing to do with the person because they want to do that. And, you know, maybe they're not good at it or it's not their thing. And that's okay, but they want it. But that's not where they spend. So you have to make decisions for the future you. 
right? Like when you, you know, when you're saving money to, to buy something, right? Or when you want to learn a new language or when you, you know, make a plan, right? Or you, when you set a goal to, to lose weight or to fit in the same size pants you did in high school that you do now, I mean, whatever it is, like you're, you're making, you have to make decisions for that person, not for your current person. I lost uh, like 50 pounds in 2014 or 15, somewhere around. And the first thing my coach, he called himself my fat coach, so I don't want to offend anyone, but that's what he said. He said, the first thing you need to do, Tom, is you need to throw out all your fat clothes. Throw them out. Give them away. Because it's going to be too easy for you to put those pants back on. You need to make a decision for the future you, not, not for you, you now. Make decisions for the hold your image guy, right? And this is what I found really, really fascinating. He said, the more immediate pleasure you get from the action, the more strongly you should question whether or not it actually aligns to your long-term goals. It's like, so if you're getting like instant, instant, like, you know, feedback on like one action, you're probably setting your goals too low. And he said, this, is, this was just mind-boggling. He said, immediate rewards can derail our decision-making because the brain overestimates the danger of anything that seems like an immediate threat, but has almost no likelihood, right, of happening. An immediate threat, but, you know, crashing a plane, right? Like your plane going down, or, yeah, I mean, like, like there's these things that, it's like, you know, but this is what, you know, uh, people fear. My wife, she has this amazing fear of snakes. So like, even if she thinks there's a snake, like she totally gets paralyzed. It's, it's crazy. I don't understand it, but, and I love her. Sorry if you're listening. Uh, right. So, but there's no likelihood that the snake's going to bite her. And even if it does, it's not going to kill her, but that's what, that's what she's terrified of. Right. That's what the brain will do, right? The brain, it's so, or the mind, it's not the brain, it's the mind. But the mind underestimates what appears to be a distant threat, but is actually very likely. For example, the steady of accumulation of fat forming from eating unhealthy food in your arteries, right? The gradual decay of muscle from not, from, you know, sitting at a desk and not working out. The slow creep of clutter when we don't tidy up. And as I brought into a school's perspective, not covering the curriculum, right? Not, you know, getting the student mastery. And then all of a sudden, there's only like 10 days left before test day. Like, I didn't even teach half this stuff. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. It's like, oh, he's so right. We underestimate the daily compounding effects of eating bad foods. Now you do, to keep a habit moving, you do have to feel successful, even in a small way. And you got to be constantly making those decisions that line to your you know, future self, right? And you can do that through habit tracking. I just, oh, it's not here anymore. But, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, talks about how his goal every day is to write a joke, right? Every single day he writes, you know, jokes. And he's worth, what, like $100 billion. Like he's you know, one of the most successful you know, uh, comics in the world, yet he's still every single day, he writes for a certain amount of time. I think it's an hour. He writes down jokes, even if they're terrible, 
And then he goes to his calendar and he puts an X on the box, right? He's got this big, and he says, my goal is to never break the chain. I just don't want to break the chain. Every day he puts his X and you can see it's a chain going across. I was like, oh, that's so easy. That's so simple. Right, don't break the chain. It seems simple <laughs> until you try to do it. And every time I try, I get like two days and then my chain gets broken, right? So you have to, you have to find a way to track your habits. And I like what the book talks about. It says, look, just don't miss twice. Just don't miss twice. Now, the first mistake is not the one that ruins you. It's going to be the spiral of repeated mistakes. He's like, so don't, don't, don't let your losses, you know, compound all the work that you've done. Okay. So the last thing that I want to talk about here is, is that you have to know what to track and when to track. And, and I just started laughing. He said, he said, when we focus more on working long hours than getting meaningful work accomplished, oh, I worked 70 hours this week. I always like, what the heck could you be doing for 70 hours? I mean, come on. What are you really doing all day? Because I'm looking, or, I mean, no offense, but I'm looking around and I don't know, this place isn't that great. 70 hours. You got, you got to pay attention. And then he says, he says, we care more about 10,000 steps than we do about actually you know, being healthy. Right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, when I used to have my, um, with, like the Fitbit, right? I said the Fitbit, oh, you hit that 10,000 and you feel all good. And then you'd eat like a 4,000 calorie meal. It's, like, it's, it's completely backwards. So you gotta, you, gotta, you gotta measure the right things. He says, you know, we optimize for what we measure. When we choose the wrong measurement, we get the wrong behavior. And I was like, oh, okay, so what does this mean? Like, so he just gave the example of, of, of weight loss. Now, your weight might stay the same, but if you feel better and you look better and your clothes fit better, well, that's all feedback towards the actual desired outcome because that's what you wanted. You didn't want to lose weight. You just wanted to look and feel better. You want to be healthier, right? That identity, I am healthy. So I, I went back to the schools. I was like, okay, so if we only measure you know, end of the year achievement, right? That's, that's probably not the right you know, measurement, right? But if, we, but if we say, okay, to improve our schools, we got to improve the teachers. Well, I could measure walkthroughs, but if I'm not you know, giving feedback, the walkthrough is kind of irrelevant, right? So is it that I'm going to measure the feedback that I give? Measure my coaching cycles? And I was like, no, 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 no. I got to measure the class, right? The class operating at its highest level. I've got to get to what I, what my vision, because vision is most important. What do, what do in our education plan, our education system, our instructional methods of this school, what does this look like operating at its highest level? That's what I've got to measure it by. That's what I'm trying to get to. So I just have 1%. Can I get 1% better each week? Now there's all those you know, different things are pieces of the feedback. I gotta do walkthroughs to see what's happening. I've gotta sit down with teachers to have a better understanding of why they're doing what they're doing. I have to give feedback. I have to model, I have to do training. All those pieces need to be measured and ultimately to get to that, that last goal, right? So I can't be attached to the outcome, but I have to be, I have to fall in love with the journey to the outcome. 
right? So I just can't be attached to, you know, I'm a hundred, I think, I think I'm 188 pounds. And I keep saying I want to get down to 175, but my habits don't align with that. <laughs> my habits don't align with losing 13 more pounds. It just doesn't. Not yet. Not right now, right? So what I haven't, I haven't fallen in love with the journey again. I haven't, I haven't found what I love to do to help me get to that goal because I'm too attached to, to the outcome. I'm too attached to the 175 and I just quit because I'm not losing any weight. But what I realized is that I'm not, I'm not doing the daily things, the things I love through a systematic way in order to reach or to become the person who could be 175 pounds. Ultimately, that's you know what I'm doing, right? So he says, if failure is painful, it gets fixed. Now, my failure to get to 175 isn't really causing like immediate you know, pain, right? So if the failure is relatively painless, it gets ignored. <laughs> as long as my pants fit, I'm good, Erica. I'm, uh, I'm good right now, right? Maybe I need to just throw out all my pants, but I got to finish. I mean, but he's so right. He said the more immediate and the more costly the mistake is, the faster you're willing to learn from it. He said we repeat bad habits because they serve us in some way. And there can't be a gap between the action and the consequences. The longer, the larger the gap, the less painful the action is. So just think about it. When you're, when you're leading your school, if you, don't, if you don't address that poor behavior by the student right then, odds are you're not going to do it. If you don't have a difficult conversation right then, odds are you're not going to do it. It's not going to happen. The cost of the procrastination has to be greater than the cost of the action. That's going to cause the shift in your behavior. And so he had said uh, seatbelts, which was crazy to me, but I guess it makes sense. The first seatbelt law was passed in 1984. And at the time, 14% of people wore seatbelts. In 2018, 49 out of 50 states had a seatbelt law. I didn't start wearing a seatbelt until 2003. Now, I started driving in 1993. So that means 10 years I drove without a seatbelt. And you know what the difference was? Tom Miller got pulled over. <laughs> and I had a huge ticket for not wearing my seatbelt. And now the first thing I do anytime I get in any car is I put my seatbelt on. I don't know why. I guess it was because of that ticket. I, I, I read this and I laughed. I said, that had to be the reason. And now I got kids. So now it's, you know, now it's different because, you know, you want them to wear the seatbelt. You don't want to be a bad model. But I mean, I was like, yes. The faster the consequence, the more, the, you know, the quicker will change. But with no consequences, nothing's going to change. And this goes back to your culture. Like I just got done writing the uh, you know, chapter on culture. And, you know, culture of your organization is the worst behavior that will be tolerated. It's the action, the sum of all the people. So he actually talks about creating a social contract. Now he's more about, you know, uh, you know, writing for yourself, but you could write a social contract for your organization. And this is something we do, you know, and I've got a, you know, an example, I could send it to you, just, you know, email me at tom at lbleaders.com, create, create a culture contract, right? And, and so this is, you know, the culture contract is a, it's a, just a social contract about a set of behaviors that we'll all live by, 
and we all agree to it, you know, to, to live through. And then when somebody doesn't do it, right, there's a, there, there's a consequence. I mean, it seems so easy, but that's what culture is. It's just action, right? So just like your environment drives your daily action, your work environment drives what you do, right? What you do. So basically it comes down to the difference between really successful people and the rest of us, right? Is that at some point it comes down to who can handle the boredom of doing the same thing every day. <laughs> I just started laughing. The same workouts, the same lifts daily, like, and John Maxwell talks about this and he will say, if you've ever heard him live, he's like, you don't want to follow me around for a day. It's pretty darn boring. Every day I read, every day I write, every day I ask questions, every day I value, every day I do, every single, it's his law of the process, right? It's his daily five. Every single day he has the same things over and over and over again. And he's like, I'm pretty boring. Dave Ramsey said the same thing. He said, I'm not any good. I've just outlasted everybody else. I've just been doing this for 35 years. That's it. They found what they were good at and he did every single day because mastery requires practice. And the only way, the only way to become excellent is to be endlessly fascinated with doing the same thing over and over. He said, you have to fall in love with the boredom. <laughs> fall in love with the boredom. So here's, so here's the model. I'm going to end with this because I know some folks have to go. Uh, it all starts with beliefs, right? It all starts with beliefs. And our beliefs are our most deeply held assumptions about ourselves, right? Your, your belief is your identity. It's who I aim to be. And remember at one time I said, I believed I was a gambler. And I thought if I didn't gamble, folks wouldn't talk to me because that's what I was known as, as a gambler, right? So your beliefs. And then the second is your values. So beliefs, Drive your values and your values are your guiding principles, right? So mine is health and family and outdoors and freedom and, and, and you know, leadership, right? These are things I value. These are my guiding principles. And the third is vision. So from that, I got to create a vision. And this is your highest level of, uh, of uh, performance. Right? Your, your vision is what you want to achieve at its highest level. So I got my uh, beliefs, what I feel about myself my values, what guides me every day, my vision, right? What I want the end result to look like. And from my vision, I create my strategies, right? This is how I'm going to get there, right? These are the ways, this is my plan of how I'm going to get there. Now, from my strategies comes my systems. My systems is the framework that I put in place. I'm gonna follow on a daily basis, right? To do it. It's not my actions, it's the framework, right? You know. I remember I said, I'm going to set my alarm for 430. I'm going to, right? These are all the things. It's a framework. It's my environment. And my systems allow me to build my habits. This is what I actually do. Okay, so beliefs, values, vision, strategies, system, and habits, and then measures. That's last. This is what we're, we're going to track. Okay, how we will track all of the progress. What will be the things that we track? What, what, what will we measure to see our progress? 
And so if you truly want to change your results, you have to go all the way back to your actual beliefs as a person. Right? Because Tom, if you believe that you're a healthy leadership coach, right? A global trans, you know, transformational leader, right? There's some things you wouldn't be doing every day. If I truly believed I was this person, I, you know, I wouldn't be oversleeping. <laughs> right? I wouldn't be eating those extra calories. So you got to start with your beliefs. And the alignment from your beliefs to your identity drives your actions. If you have misalignment from your beliefs and your actions, then, then, there's, then there's a problem. But if you have alignment from your beliefs to what you do, then there's no struggle. You're just every day getting a little bit better. Law of the process, right? Leadership evolves daily, not in a day. Every week, I'm gonna get 1% better. I'm going to end the week with what went well, what went wrong, what am I going to do differently next week? Right? What went well, what went wrong, what am I going to do differently? Every single week, right? You are, you are human, so you're going to slip a little bit. The goal is don't miss two days in a row, right? Don't miss two opportunities in a row. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. You got to be careful of those slippery slope, and that's where that awareness comes in. And for me, it was my environment. I had to change my environment, right? For me to get out of you know, being a gambler, I had to change who I hung around with and what I did on a daily basis. I had to, I had to change my system from, you know, I used to, um, I taught at an elementary school at the time. So, and it was close to the beach. So I actually brought my workout clothes with me. And I, and I after you know, work was over, I went to the beach, I put my workout clothes and I ran three miles. And by the time I got home, then my wife got home and it, like, there was no time for me to, to have those bad habits anymore. But it was because of my system. It had nothing to do with who I wanted to be. My system for success, my system for change was not in place. Remember, everything worthwhile is uphill. Right? Everything worthwhile is uphill. Yeah, master the boredom. <laughs> I love that too, Rebecca. So I just happened to come across this reading passage and then I'll open it up if anybody wants to share. But he said, imagine, and this is from a book called Gratitude Marketing. He said, uh, imagine there's a bank account that credits your account each morning with $86,400. It carries over no balance from day to day. Every evening, the bank deletes whatever part of the balance you failed to use during that day. What would you do? you would draw every cent, right? You would spend every cent, of course. Now, each of us has a bank and its name is time. Every morning, it credits you with 86,400 seconds. Every night, it writes off as lost whatever of this you have failed to invest into a good purpose. It carries over no balance. It allows no overdraft. Each day, it opens up a new account for you. Every night it burns the remains of the day. If you fail to use the day's deposits, the loss is yours. There is no drawing against tomorrow. You must live in the present on today's deposits, invest it as to get from it the most utmost in health, happiness, and success. The clock is running. Make the most of today. 
And I just came across that. I haven't opened that book in probably two years. And I just came across that page. And I thought, oh, that is just a perfect ending to our piece. So, all right. So those are your action steps, right? So, so what are you going to apply based upon this now hour that most of you spent, right? It's 501 my time. So it's 61 minutes here. What are you going to apply? What are you going to change? What are you going to teach someone else? Because that's what's going to make the difference, right? So based upon this hour, go back to your notes, right? If you're listening on the archive, it'll be up on our, you know, uh, podcast in 24 hours. If you want to go back and listen again, but what will you apply in your life? What will you change in your daily practice? And what will you teach someone else? That's what I want you to end today with. So I appreciate you all. If there's any thoughts or questions, anybody want to share? Anybody get any value? If you're not a member of our um, school leader uh, community with our, you know, uh, podcasts and stuff, you know, please make sure you uh, subscribe. If this added value, be sure to subscribe and share it out. Take the information and make it better. I'll keep working on that. Get the book. I sent you a copy of the um, Atomic Habits. If you're listening to the archive and didn't get a copy of the book, I'll make sure uh, that I put a link in the comments for you. All right. Well, take care of yourself. Enjoy the rest of your 4th of July week. If you're here in the United States with us, if you're not, enjoy wherever you are. And uh, I believe in you and I believe in your dream, right? Just make sure you do it one second at a time. Bye-bye. Hey, podcast listeners. There's one thing I know for sure. It's everything rises and falls with leadership. And one of the challenges right now is time. We don't have a lot of time to, to grow ourselves and grow our teams. That's why we created the leadership program, School Leadership Made Real Simple. In the School Leadership Made Real Simple program, it's online, on-demand learning lessons that are built for the everyday principal, teacher leader, school administrator, and they're going to take your team to the next level. So go right now, go to schoolleadershipmaderealsimple.com and find out how you can start to build uh, groups of vision carriers and vision casters into every corridor of your school by developing the leaders around you. Go there now, schoolleadershipmaderealsimple.com. We've got great opportunities for you to get discounts on your team's leadership uh, development today. Thanks.